Hello, it is Victoria and you guys are lucky to have me because I just got back from Disney. We went to uh, Epcot today uh, to celebrate Luke's birthday and uh, we went with Rachel. Rich stayed home because he got tendonitis in his ankle and so that would have been way too much walking. So it was me and Luke and Rachel and Rick and Tara and Cheyenne and Albert. And we got to go and it was super awesome. And um, Albert did great and it was fun, but we literally just got home maybe 15 minutes ago. So, so yeah, it was quick. Uh, same rules apply as always, which is if you have any questions, comments for me, go ahead and type them up in the chat box. If you're on here live, if you're listening afterwards, because we do like to uh, load it up onto YouTube and onto our podcast. So if you're listening through one of those, sorry, you don't get to be part of the chat and do the stuff. And if you're wondering what that snorting sound is, that is Ginger rolling on her back and making snorting noises. Uh, Ginger and Lita both wanted to be in here with me. Don't know why, but they did. Because they love me and they miss me. At least that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. What is the topic for tonight is starting public access with your service dog. And this is one where there can be a whole hubbubaloo in the service dog community on when you should start public access training. And I've heard everything from you should start when your dog's six months old or four months old, or you start right away, or you don't start until they're, you know, I'm sure some people are like a year, which would be silly, but I'm sure that's out there too. Um, when do we start? Well, we've done all different ages. You know, when I got Gypsy, who today's her five-year-old birthday, but when I got her, we had her out the day we picked her up because we picked her up up in Atlanta and we had to fly, out, fly home with her. Uh, you know, so like the dogs do go out. And then a week later we had her at Disney's Hollywood Studios and it was carrying her in little quick training sessions and then carrying her some more and then nap time. It's not that she walked, you know, Disney Studios. Um, it's just that it was, it was fun. You know, it was just a quick outing, some nice pictures and um, some of those pictures turned out really nice. But what else could you do if you started a puppy out right away? Because what do you have to worry about if the puppy's not potty trained or reliable potty trained? And trust me, at nine weeks old, she was not potty trained. But she got plenty of opportunities to go potty and you carry a cleanup kit. And that's something you should do regardless of how potty trained your dog is, is carry a cleanup kit for potty um, accidents that could happen because accidents are called accidents for a reason. So what's in a potty cleanup kit? Uh, quart Ziploc baggies, poo bags, and wet wipes. You can also include a bottle of water and it doesn't have to be the $3.50 bottle of water from Disney. It could be a bottle of refilled, you know, you drink it, whatever it is, right? And then you refill it up, you put the cap on it and you have that to wash away anything that needs to be washed away, right? Give your dog water if need be, cool down your dog if need be, but you want something, you know, in your cleanup kit. Um, so that's cleanup kit. We've had dogs out. If it's just one dog, if it's me, if it's my service dog, I might, I might, and I've done it, like I said, with Gypsy, take them out super early. Short sessions are key. Short sessions as in five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Now, yes, when we were at Disney, it wasn't five or 10 minutes there, but, uh, like I said, she slept and I carried her. 
but five to 10 minutes and set your watch, set your phone, set a timer, because trust me, it is really easy to go over and above that five and 10 minutes and not realize it. So you could do that. Um, does it make a difference? No, it doesn't. Um, we took one litter out all the time. We had them out in strollers. We actually have, I don't know, two or three strollers for puppies. And we could take two to three puppies out in a stroller, depending on how big the puppies are. Um, and we did that for one litter a whole bunch. We had each puppy was out at least weekly, if not every other week. And what did we find? We found that once the puppies, you know, because they could ride in there and be all okay. Um, but once they were actually walking it, it was totally different. So all that exposure that we did all that time, because don't forget, guys, it's not just taking the puppy out and doing an outing. It's prepping the puppy for that outing. It's pottying the puppy while you're out on that outing. It's worrying about germs and wiping off puppy feet if you do put them down to go potty while you're out. It's getting the puppy back and the puppy's now tired. So you can't really necessarily do a play session. You know, there, there's a lot more involved than just like, I'm just going to take my dog out in public. So what do you do, right? It didn't make a difference getting them out that early. Uh, and actually, Albert and R2, the two boys that we got, we really didn't start bringing them out in public until they're about six months old. And I'm not seeing any fallout because of that. In fact, they're doing great because we had that time to work them. So, you know, they get into the training rotation here. And that's what I found does the best is to work on a few different things instead of worrying about taking them out in public. Because you know what, guys, parvo is a real issue. Where in Florida, they do have parvo outbreaks in Florida. They do have a um, Bordetella, what is that? Kennel cough outbreaks. They'll have um, canine influenza outbreaks. And especially parvo is really, really, really bad. You know, so you don't want those. And until your dog is fully vaccinated, four months-ish, they're not fully protected from it, right? And then it might even take a little bit longer if you get them done at four months old. It might be like another week or two. Um, I figure we're all experts now on immunity and vaccines because of the dreaded C word. It's not cancer. It's the other dreaded C word. But back to puppies. So what is the best thing to do for starting out service puppies? I'm telling you guys, play with the puppies. And that doesn't mean just like let them loose and like plan your phone and like listen to some awesome podcast called Service Dog Secrets by Victoria Warfall. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is play with your dog. Put your phone down and play with your dog. Play catch and fetch with your dog. Play retrieve and ball with your dog. Have your dog chase you. Don't let, don't you chase your dog. It's different, right? But play with your dog. Spend five minutes a day just playing with your dog, trying to get your dog engaged in playing. That doesn't mean pushing that toy into your dog and making him grab it. Playing with your dog is member playground in elementary school, right? There are rules and they might be silly rules. Like, well, you're wearing a blue shirt today, so you're not supposed to kick the ball on the first time. I'm supposed to kick the ball because I'm wearing a purple shirt, right? And if you didn't want the person to get the, dog, the toy, right? Whatever it is, you're really gonna try to keep it away from them. So let me ask you a question. If you have toys that you got for your dog that your dog ignores, but those forbidden things that your dog thinks are really cool, like maybe your shoes or your glasses or whatever, and your dog keeps going after, and you keep kind of grabbing it and sneaking it and putting it away, and your dog keeps finding it, 
Doesn't that sound kind of like a game that you play with your dog? Anyway. And this, see, my dog just doesn't like to play, is not the same thing as actually playing with your dog. You know, don't make it a self-fulfilled prophecy either, guys. So play with your dog, train your dog, make it fun, have training sessions multiple times a day, maybe two, maybe three times a day. Ideally, a play session and maybe two training sessions or a play and a half and a training and a half. Like play, if you're doing it right, it's just going to enhance your relationship with your dog. So focus on play more than public access at this point in the very beginning, right? Until the dog's like four or six months old. Focus on play with your dog. Actually, whenever they stay with us, the puppy program, puppy stay, from about eight weeks to 10 to 12 weeks old, that is our primary focus is play. So the start of every training session, it's going to be play. As a reward for training, it might be play. Notice what words I chose to use there. We start with play, and then a reward during training session might be play. Sit, play. Touch, play. Your name, play. We could play with food. We could play with toys. We could play with tug toys. We could play with maybe a little fleecy braided tug. We could play with a uh, little stuffy. Oh, they love little stuffy toys. Right? It's not just one thing that you play with, and you can even take food and tease them and chuck it and play keep away with the food. And it helps tremendously when it comes to training. So, so starting with public access, don't start too soon. Now, if that it doesn't mean like, well, like I have a great opportunity to take my puppy out. I think my puppy would do well, then take him out, but five minutes, guys. Don't take him out to someplace you cannot leave from. So we, I told you we went to Epcot today. We left at about 10 this morning and we just got back at 6.45 PM. It's about an hour there, about an hour back. Did I take any of the five month old Snow White puppies? No. Why? Because it's Florida and it's flipping hot as heck outside. It was so hot there. And if I, and we went with a bunch of friends, so I could not leave when I needed to leave. And that's one of the reasons I'll get people often who will ask if they could take their four-month-old or their five-month-old puppy to Disney or Universal. And my question to them is, are you prepared to leave if your dog needs to leave? Now, why do I ask that? Because people who travel distance to get here to pick up their puppy, they want to go to the parks. And I don't blame them. That's one of the draws of Central Florida and why you know, tickets are pretty cheap to fly down to Central Florida is because of the parks, right? So we take advantage, we use it as much as possible, but we do have limitations on what we do. For example, if the dog needs to go, we go. If we get there and it's too much and the dog needs to go, we go. Uh, if it's too hot, we don't go. Uh, if it's too hot, maybe we'll go early in the morning, maybe we'll go late at night. But if the dog needs to go, we are gone. There's none of this, but I want to do one more ride. There's none of this. Well, he's fine. I'm good. And we used to do, maybe you guys remember this. We used to do outings uh, where we would go to Disney and it would be me and one of my trainers and we would have my service dog and the client service dog. And we would go uh, because it's nice to have a dog who's done it before, right? That makes it really nice to have that uh, role model for the first timers, for the theme park virgins for the dogs, right? First timers have somebody, have a dog that they know, have a dog that they can 
you know, kind of follow the lead up. It makes it so much easier. So we would do those and we would do three, not, three days, two nights. We'd hit all four of the Disney parks. Uh, what we do, we'd go in the morning. We'd come back to the hotel room at, at afternoon time for a nap. And we'd go back in the evening. And it worked out really, really well with the dogs. Now, there were times that we just went on our own, me and my trainer and the dogs, uh, or a whole group of my trainers because we had a whole bunch of dogs to work and it was going to be fun. Um, or there were times that the client joined us. Now, if the client joined us, we tried to stay in the same uh, Disney resort as them. And a couple of times we were able to, and a couple of times we weren't able to. If we were able to, it was a lot easier. If we weren't able to, you know, like we tried, uh, but we would doggy sit if need be. So like I said, oftentimes the people wanted to go and, and go really have a lot of fun. So I will, you know, drop your dog off. I'll, I'll, I'll babysit them tonight. So you can go and have some fun and not have to worry about your puppy because your puppy, your dog, no matter what their age is, is done. The parks are a lot, especially for a dog who's not used to it. You know, we brought Albert who everyone thinks is this really high energy dog and he did fine, but there were times he was dragging a little bit. He was done. Um, so we got plenty, he got plenty of rest opportunities, plenty of water breaks. Um, plenty of let's pour some water on him um, and get him to to have some ice and to just chill out because it's a lot. Uh, and now, would that be fair? Albert's just about a year old. Would that be fair for a five-month-old puppy? No, that's not fair. It's not fair at all. What's easier for a five-month-old puppy, honestly, is universal because uh, we can park in ballet, right? So we go up, we're, we're in city walk. The dog's doing good. We can go one of the parks, even if we just go in and do Seuss and leave. Probably got some experience, some exposure, and it's not a lot of walking. And if, depending on the weight of the puppy, I can put him on my lap while I'm in the wheelchair. So for that, it's a lot easier, right? Now, what if this is your vacation? You've always wanted to do Universal and check out the whole, both Harry Potter worlds and the train. And I tell you, we're going in and we're doing Seuss one ride and we're out. What? That's why it's like I said, it's easier for me to take the dog. You do yours, let me do the dog. Um, so what else could you do? Starting public access with your service dog. Where do you start? Where are you gonna start if you're gonna do public access? Well, some states allow service dogs in training the same accessibility as fully trained service dogs, but that's not every state. And that is by state, that is not by ADA. If you have a service dog in training, it is covered by the individual states. So if you have Florida, we get the same accessibility, which is one of the reasons why we live in Florida. Um, but other states aren't. Or other states, it's only if it's a guide dog or only if you're working with a professional trainer or only if blah, 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 right? There, there's all sorts of different uh, stipulations. Now, not because, I don't think really because of anything. I just think it probably hasn't got through legislature. Like, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of weird laws on the books just because nobody's done anything about them. So where could you go regardless of which state you live? Well, there are plenty of pet-friendly locations out there. Having said that, don't go to pet-heavy locations. No dog parks, no pet stores where there are heavy pet stores, right? Like, no pet smart, no pet co with your puppies. Why? Because the dogs are crazy out of control, not jobs. 
Sorry, Charlie. Call him like I see him. Where could you go? Well, I live in the boonies here. We got a pet store up at Brownwood that doesn't always have a lot of dogs in it. We could go there. We could go to Tractor Supply. We, you could go to Lowe's or Home Depot. Uh, if you don't know, that's what Google's for. You just Google. Uh, pet-friendly stores in your city state or pet-friendly stores near me or just pet-friendly stores. For example, I believe Best Buy and Michael's are pet-friendly. Usually how you can tell the difference is if they are, uh, if they sell food, they cannot be pet-friendly, which confuses me because Michael's and Best Buy both have their little candy aisle. So maybe that doesn't count. I don't know. Um, but ask, ask whatever you, you go out or you know what, there's a funky little thing called a phone and you can call them up or you can email, maybe email the store, maybe email corporate and say, hey, I am training up a service dog. I would love to be able to take my dog into your store for starting their public access training. Is that, is that okay? And if you get the, especially, I love written confirmation, right? Much more than phone call, but uh, you could drop a letter off. You can email, you can call. It, I would always follow it up with an email or a letter letter, a paper letter. You know, if you call up and you say, hey, Michaels, um, who's your manager? Oh, Billy Bob. Okay, well, can I talk to Billy Bob or leave a message? Okay. Uh, hey, Billy Bob, my name is Vicky, and I'm training up a service dog. And I would love to be able to train my dog in your store because your store is the greatest. And I think it'd be great to be able to bring my service dog in training in there. Now, what, what things are going to help you out? He is a six-month-old golden retriever. And here's his Instagram. Here's his TikTok. You know, you can add all that stuff in there, guys. And then if the person looks at it and sees it and he says, gosh, look at, look at how great this dog's looking, you know, and you can even say like, we have, we're active on Instagram, we're active on TikTok. So when we're in there, you know, like we'll do some training and, and it's not just what is public access training. It's not just getting the dog in the stores, right? That's not public access training. It's how does the dog act in the stores that can the dog task while in the stores uh, how does the dog handle crowds? How does the dog handle the merchandise? Is the dog jumping up into the meat case at the grocery store to sniff everything? Like it shouldn't be. Um, that should never, ever happen. But it does, right? So if you have video of this and if, oh, Michael's, Billy Bob there and Michael's manager is going to look at it and say, this would be great. Like, I would love to meet you and your dog. And you can even open that up. Like, I'd love to bring my dog in to meet you so you can see, you know, where my dog's at in the training, how my dog's doing. You know, do you have a day and time that would work out well? And here I'm going to give you a, a tip. I love this marketing stuff. I've been following and doing some marketing stuff. And instead of asking, like, what questions do you have for me? Like I do. What two questions do you have for me? Or what are the top two questions? Or... What can you do in this situation to Billy Bob? Uh, we're available this week and we're available next week. Which day works best for you for me to bring Fluffy the dog in to, to meet, to see if, if you'll allow this dog into your store? Right? So you can. So there's that. What else? There's places like libraries, right? Quiet areas. Um, and those are always really good too. Uh, now, here's something fun. Did you know? that churches don't have to let your service dog in or your service dog in training in. They don't have to. Why? Because of separation of church and state. They don't have to allow your service dog. 
And here's what I'll tell people. We, when we were in churches in Gainesville, there were two churches, Grace Presbyterian and United, I think it was United Methodist that we went to and not at the same time. And we asked the pastor, this is what we did is we asked the pastor if, um, if we could bring my service dog in or, you know, the dogs that we're training in. And they thought it was the greatest idea ever. Now, what would happen if I asked, because now we're out here, we've been out here, we don't have a church yet. And we kind of, we'd like to, and as things are kind of settling, not really, it's one thing we want to look into a little bit more. So am I going to go without the service dog the first time? Probably. Or what's the other option? I could call up the, the pastor or email the pastor if I can find that and do the same thing, right? Contact them and say, hey, my name is Victoria Warfel. I'm a professional dog trainer. I do have a service dog and a disability. I would like to be able to bring my service dog and potentially the service dogs that we're training into church, but it would start with just my service dog. Would that be acceptable? Or which service would be the best service, right? See how we're doing that? And if they come back and they say, no, we don't want service dogs in here, I'm not going to that church. If I ask Billy Bob if I can bring my dog into Michael's and he says no, I might not be going there as much anymore. I might go to the other Michael's, right? That's because I have like three Michael's all about 45 minutes from me. I might go to one of the other ones. Uh, so, you know, so you do have that. Ask permission. Don't assume. Ask permission. If Especially if you're in a state that does not give the accessibility. Now, how do you find out? Google service dog in training, you know, plus whatever state you're in. Service dog in training, Florida. Service dog in training, Alabama. Service dog in training, Connecticut. And see what comes up. There's also an app and it'll go through all the state laws and it's pretty cool. But, but see what your state laws say. Uh, there's really no mad rush to do it before they're four months old. You know, because... They, it's not going to carry over as much. If it's just you, if you just have your one dog and you want to take your dog out with you, occasionally do it. But don't wear your dog out. Your dog comes first in all of this. Whenever we were in Gainesville, we had a uh, about 2,500 square foot training center and we did puppy classes. And I remember we did one set of puppy classes and we had a woman who, we had three puppies in the class that were all service dog prospects service puppies. And one of them was a lab and the lab would come out to the training center for evening weeknight puppy classes, exhausted and cranky and mouthy and just so tired. And as I talked to the owner, the class is, I don't know, six or seven o'clock at night. Well, the dog had been with the owner since seven o'clock that morning. And she's like, well, you know, the dog's just riding in the car with me and like, chilling at the office and sleeping. I'm like, but the dog's not sleeping. Like Albert didn't sleep today while we were at the park. Like it looked like he was sleeping a whole bunch at the park. He wasn't sleeping a whole bunch at the park. You know what he was doing? He was resting his eyes as my grandfather would say. You know, he was on, let's see, on pause, but not asleep. He was ready and willing to go if I needed him but he wasn't sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. So he, he should sleep really good tonight. And he might come home because he did nap on the drive back. Um, he might come home and want to play and, and tear up a little bit, eat and then crash. And I fully expect that. And then tomorrow, what's tomorrow? Oh, he goes into uh, Tampa and gets his hips x-rayed again. So, you know, he'll have a busy day for that tomorrow. And then he'll just have a fun weekend. Um, if you're doing service dog, when you're starting service dog public access, don't do something every day. Do twice a week, 
with at least one day between. So don't do Monday, Tuesday. No, he's off for us a week. Do like Monday, Wednesday or Sunday, Tuesday. Uh, you know, you can do that. Don't give it too much. Don't give your dog, don't make him do too much, right? Um, have your cleanup kit. Like I said, I'd wait until four or six months, you know, at least four months, and then I start getting them out. Now, that doesn't mean I can't take them to dog. We have a place called Brownwood here, which is in the villages, which is really nice. And there's, it's outdoor, uh, there's a big town square type of thing, and they have live music every night. Uh, there's a bunch of restaurants and a bunch of stores there. So it's like a shopping area, right? And it's dog friendly. So I bring dogs up there all the time. Like that is one of my favorite places to go and train. And again, it's, it's why I don't see us moving because it's really nice to have access to that. Uh, you know, I'll use that. So you can use that instead of using, you know, Walmart. Uh, here, we've got a couple uh, comments. Uh, Faye said, we have a problem here in Massachusetts where people are bringing their pets into non-pet friendly stores such as Walmart. How can I protect my service dog? that's a fantastic question and we see it down here too we actually did up a video with nala i think it was last weekend the weekend before maybe a week ago uh well we're at walmart and she sees this dog when well, this dog sees her first a little yap yap dog in a stroller in a cart from the store which don't be putting if you're doing public access if you're not doing public access the dogs should not be in the, the carts at the store and the buggies right when we would go out, if we would have the pups, we would either have a dog stroller that we'd put them in that was our dog stroller. It looked like a kid's stroller, but it was for dogs. Or if they were in their carriers or if they were you know, walking free, I'd just put them on my lap if I'm in the wheelchair. I don't use the store's cart for my dog. So we would do, um, so this dog sees Nala three times and starts barking. And the woman finally shoves the dog into the bag and zips it up. Now I'm sure people saw my dog and they heard the bah, 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 through the store and they wondered how my dog was making such a sound. Um, so what I do, Faye, while I'm out with the dogs is I try to be alert to where other dogs may be. If I see and or hear a dog or if whoever I'm with sees and or hears a dog, um, I will take steps to protect my dog from that. So while I love heel, which is go to my left side and so my left side, they also learn side, which is go to my right side and stay there. Um, you know, they'll eventually get that nice sit, stay and down stay. So you could do that. And Faye, honestly, I'm not going to say if, if a dog is acting like a fool and charging at me, I'm going to block him with my foot. I might take something off the shelf and chuck it at the dog to get him away from my dog. Because you know yourself, owners don't have control. I would also, and I got this from a Judge Judy. This was years ago with Judge Judy. And um, let me tell you about the, the episode. It was a good episode. And what it was is a woman was walking her dog and another dog off leash comes up to her dog and attacks it. And she starts yelling, you know, get your dog off of my dog. And because she was yelling that, the other people who were outside, her neighbors, who were outside at the time, heard her and looked and came over and helped. And they got the dogs apart. And so then whenever Judge Judy was like, well, whose dog started it? Well, she was yelling, get your dog off of my dog. So assuming that, you know, the other person started it, but they only knew that because of what she yelled. 
So if this was this, the case, I'm at Walmart with one of my little five-month-old Snow White puppies and a giant raging out of control hundred pound dog or five pound dog, like I don't care, starts racing towards my dog. And honestly, you have to practice this ahead of time. So I don't know if there's anyone around you right now or not, but practice this, like honestly, practice going through the motions, practice the, what you're going to say, uh, because that muscle memory helps. When Luke was in karate, we'll do another tangent and I'll come back to the first tangent and then back to the point. Uh, when Luke was in karate, they did katas punch, punch, kick, punch, whatever, spin, right? Why is to build muscle memory? So then you just flow into it whenever push comes to shove, right? So muscle memory is really nice. So what do you do in that situation? If you have time, whip out your phone and start recording. That's always, always good. If you get into a hole, you can't have your dog in here, whip out your phone and start recording. Know if you're in a one consent state or a two consent state, a one consent state, you only need one person's consent to do a recording, that's you. Two consent state, you need both parties' consent to make that video. Florida is a two consent state. So what I would do would be to whip out my phone, start recording and say, I'm recording you now if it was like, you can't bring your dog in here. But if there's no person but dog, maybe, right? Um, start, so whip out your phone, start recording what's going on. Or, you know, you can say, stop, get your dog out of here. Your dog is attacking my dog. Your dog is approaching my dog. Stop, get your pet, get your dog, get your mutt, get whatever away from my dog, right? So like, stop, get away, do that. Get that and that'll get people's attention. And then what was going on? Well, I don't know, but I heard her yelling, get your dog away. And if that dog's still coming, if the person's like skiing with their dog, you know what I mean? Or if the person's gone, you know, clueless or whatever happens, just grab something from the shelf and chuck it at the dog, right? It's called a bonker. You can say no and chuck it too. And I have done that where I have stepped in front of my dog. No, go away. Very forceful to get the other person's dog away. Um, you have to protect your dog. This is not only your dog. This is your service dog. This is your lifeline to independence. And we have to do everything that we can to protect your dog and keep your dog safe and your service dog safe, because you know what can happen is the dog washes out because the dog was attacked one too many times at Walmart, and that's not good either. Uh, be cognizant of your surroundings. So I was at the vet the other day, and the vet said to me, as I was, as I was going to exit, she says, watch this person with their dog because they're really not paying attention, which I, I appreciate, and I thank my vet for, for looking out for me. So what do I do? I moved the dog to the other side, held the dog by the collar, and we just walked out. I didn't even give the dog any leash. I just held my dog by the collar, and we walked because I have to protect my dog and put my dog on the other side if need be, um, but watch for things. Uh, you can also, what we've done, what we've seen done, you know, you can go up to management and say, um, there's an out-of-control dog. I don't know why it's in this store. Uh, when we were at Universal one time, we had, I don't know, at least 10 dogs, 10 teams with us, 10 um, service dog teams. And there was an out of control dog pulling, barking, lunging towards any of our dogs when he would see any of our dogs or she, I don't know what it was. 
And after the dog went by acting like a fool and we moved our dogs off to the side behind us so the dog couldn't get to them, um, I saw a cast member and a, you know, a universal employee. And I said, hey, there is a woman and I gave the description of the dog. And I said, the dog is out of control, barking and lunging aggressively at our dogs. And her response was, oh, I said, you're not going to do anything about it. She says, nope, there's nothing we can do about it once they come into the park. And I said, oh, I said, then I'm giving you fair warning now that if the dog does attack any of my dogs, we'll go after, because, you know, like I was, I had coordinated the whole group. So like technically they're all my dogs, right? I said, we will go after Universal because you were forewarned that this dog who I don't care how they answered the questions, the two questions that can be asked is that a service dog required because of a disability? And what task or work has the dog been trained to perform? I don't care how they answered it. If the dog is out of control, if the dog has potty issues, barking and lunging at people, or just generally disruptive and out of control, not generally, but like super disruptive and out of control, they can be asked to leave the establishment. Ah. But Universal didn't want to do that. So I told them, I said, if the dog does, I will come back. And, you know, like, we will sue Universal because you were aware of it. She's like, oh, okay. And that was it. Of course, the dog didn't. But, you know, when we met up afterwards, we all had issues with that dog. And I think it's something now, is that a fake or service dog? I don't know. Maybe it's just a, dog, a service dog having a really bad day. Maybe the, the pets that we're seeing in the stores that we all look at each other and we're like, faker. Um, because, you know, the dog's sitting on the table eating morsels of food from the woman's hand during dinner you know like come on maybe the people are just clueless like i don't know i can't say that that person is a faker right and i try not to do that why do i try not to do that first because it it lends into the whole like uh which i don't like to get into but there's an organization well there's a group of organizations who want to spread the fallacy that there's all these fakers out there. And the more we as the service dog community agree and support and say it also, the stronger their voice gets. What? So I'm gonna tell you, uh, I saw something the other day from ADI, Assistance Dogs International, wanting you to fill out a survey of how many faker dogs that you see out there. Now let's follow the breadcrumbs. Why is ADI interested in this? Why would Assistance Dog International be interested in faker slash owner train? You know, because like let's 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 think about this. Backtrack back here. Why would they be interested in it? Could they be trying to get legislation passed? Maybe now, maybe in the future, saying that the only real services dog service dogs who come out should be dogs from Assistance Dogs International, because based on their survey here of their Assistance Dogs International people and of people who had real legit service dogs, there's all these fakers out there. So what can we do? We must police service dogs so there's no fakers that are giving people a hard time. I'm gonna let that sink in for a second for you. So by bringing attention and getting the service dog community to bring attention to the fakers, they're building themselves a stronger platform to 
eventually become the only. And that to me can be a little bit scary because there's some stuff going on with ADI I really don't like and they need to change. Hope, why was Hope founded? Hope was founded in part in case we wanted to join ADI in the future, you need to be a nonprofit. However, I don't know if I want to, and we have the ability to, but I don't know if I want to. So far, I haven't wanted to because there's some things I don't like. I want to be able to use any tool out there if it's the right tool for the dog at the moment. And I don't want to have to be told that I cannot use this tool because it's a tool of the devil whenever it clearly is not. Nor do I want to join an organization that has ulterior motives and toot, toot, toots their own way of doing it as if it's their way or a faker. Okay. Um, here, Caitlin adds in there's a pet corrector spray too that's basically allowed air horn. It does no harm but can stop from their tracks. I think I can clip on a belt, Caitlin. You know, I love you, girl. Um, this is the greatest because I love pet con corrector and pet convincer. So both of them. Um, one of them has refill air canisters and it's CO2 cartridges. Like if you have a, um, a whipped creamer, which is a little thing that you put whipped cream in and then you add this and you shake it up and it, um, CO2 cartridges it. So then you can make up your own, um, ready whipped cream. So you can use those or the pet corrector is red and it's like a one, one thing, right? And, and it is, it's just air. We, we jokingly refer to it as Caesar in a can because that's what it sounds like is so I had one of those in my pocket and I had my dog at a dog park when we were in Gainesville. We lived in a condo. There was a private dog park that we were members of. I was the trainer there. And I got there with one of my dogs. I think it was my German shepherd. And we were just, we would get there and walk the perimeter. Well, what happens a lot of times at dog parks? People sit and want to drink on their cappuccino fruit berries and talk with each other, with their friends and let their dogs just do whatever. Cause like the dogs get to run. Well, why should you go to a dog park? Cause you have a safe fenced area for your dog to play. And you can walk around. So when she would, when I would walk the perimeter of the park, she would walk the perimeter of the park with me. And, you know, we'd have a couple tennis balls or a couple chuckets because you can also um, chuck a chuck it at a dog to get him to leave you alone if need be, right? It's nice for blocking. So we do that. And there was this dog who'd come up to her and was harassing her and would not leave her alone. And I'm looking, the owner's nowhere to be seen. We're like, go away. And the dog wouldn't. So I, I felt that in my pocket and I pulled it out. And I just nonchalantly towards the dog. The owner comes running from there. What did you do to my dog? Because the dog, of course, ran away. And I said, I used a pet convincer. And she said, or corrector, pet corrector. She goes, no, you didn't. You did something really mean to my dog because my dog wasn't doing anything to you. And, and you did this and it just, you, you scared him. You sprayed something at him. I said, it was air that I sprayed at him because he would not leave me and my dog alone and my dog has the right to enjoy the park and, and peace no no that's not what you did so I get it out I showed it to him like this is what I used and I squirted it at her and then she left me alone so it works out really good and I do recommend them um Al Alexa says what would you say if someone is recording you in your service dog Alexa oh gosh this happens a lot or I'm trying to get a picture of the dog and somebody comes up and they're like oh my god I want to get a picture of your dog too <sighs> sometimes I don't mind sometimes I do it's when I really need to decide, but the problem is my dogs are wicked cute. Like first, why do you want to picture somebody else's dog? You freak. Not you, Alexa. 
But, you know, the people who come up and are like, I'm going to picture your dog. And often as well, so I can show so-and-so that I saw a dog. And I'm like, well, like, he's not a mythical unicorn. Like, there are dogs, there are service dogs out there. But because we're trainers, because we're breeders, I don't want to be like, no, you can't. But sometimes I'm just, I'm out of spoons for the day. And I'm like, no. Or they want me to stop and pose the dog. No, I'm not stopping and posing the dog for you. Now, a lot of people do have phones out all the time. I don't know if they're recording me all the time. But what I tell them usually is I don't care if you take a picture. Just don't distract my dog and don't harass my dog and don't get in my way. And I'm not stopping and posing my dog for you. So if you want a picture, you can get a picture as my dog walks by. You know, so yeah. But what you could do is say no, and it's illegal to ask, or it's illegal to do it without my consent, right? Because I'm in Florida. Um, usually, like I said, I don't mind. Uh, we actually have um, NFC tag wristbands. So what we could do is say, yeah, you can get one here, take my wristband, you know, too. And you can see what we put up on Instagram, right? And grow that way. You know, you catch more flies with honey and sugar than you do with vinegar. <laughs> but there are just sometimes you just have the vinegar and you just, I just can't anymore. So that's usually, if Rich is out with me, he's the nice one. So if he's out with me, he's a nice one. He talks to people and I can just do resting bitch face and work my dog. And it works out good. Um, thanks for talking about tools. Crying helps so much during training. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, Albert was at uh, the Epcot today. I had him on prong and e-collar. He's a year old. I haven't been doing that much with him. I need to get them both back into it. Um, and he did really good, but it was also really, really hot. And so we'll use. Now, does that mean that I want prong for attention? No, it means I have EDS, I have Ehlers-Danlos, and my joints will hurt if he would have been on a flat or on a martingale. Like, tools have purpose, tools have meaning. And I've had, I remember there was one, a 30, 35 pound dog who pulled my arm the wrong way and my shoulder, oh my gosh, it hurt for about three months. Um, one time, and I don't even remember it happening, but it was at a workshop. And after the workshop, my shoulder was sore for a year, over a year. Like that cannot happen because then I can't work. So I like prongs for that for me. Um, and it's a lot of people too, you know, like it's nice to have those, um, but it's not because the dog's so rowdy and out of control, right? It's just to fine tune that, uh, which is nice. Uh, so yeah, and the only one I really don't use tool-wise is a no pull harness um, or flat front harness. I don't like either of those because it squishes the shoulders and blah, blah, blah. Um, we'll sometimes use head halters. We'll sometimes use uh, especially with the puppy puppies, I'll use a, what's called like a five point harness. And it's the premier harness is if it says on there, no pool, um, you don't want it, but the puppy puppies, we're using a lot of flat collar. Um, we might start introducing to the prong about three and a half, four months old, but I see so many dogs who, well, remember I, I train pet dogs. I've been training service dogs now for 18, 19 years, right? So we worked with a lot of um, owner-trained pet dogs that we would help out, right? But now I can groom them up from the get-go. So I also know I want them to be able to enjoy themselves and not burn out. And it can happen that they burn out. And I don't want them to burn out. So we want to make it fun for them. So usually I'm introducing a prong right around, right around four months old, 
uh, and then e-collar about five and a half months old, six months old. And I do that for the ones that go home at six months old, just so they have some intro. So if they come back later and we want to do it more, or if the owner does it on their own, the dog knows what it's all about. Um, and so before then they're, they're on their flock collar usually, uh, you know, we'll do that or they're on a, a well-fit Y front harness, not a mobility harness and not a no pull harness. Uh, Andrea said, Koji isn't ready for a lot of public access. We only go one or two times every two weeks because he's easily distracted and wants to jump on people. Um, we have been trying to work on it, but it can be hard. Uh, Andrea, I don't know if you saw our TikToks um, showing what we do when we go out with them. Uh, when we go out, first thing I do is I'll find a spot and sit down with them. So like where our Winn-Dixie's, there's a bench right inside there. And I'll just work them through. When we went up, gosh, was it only this past weekend? Uh, we went up to Brownwood. We brought three of the Snow White puppies, which are Koji's litter mates. And we got there and they were just like, wow, there's all this stuff going on. So it was also during their farmer's market. So what did we do is we just sat down on the bench. We worked on focus on us. We worked on play. We worked on touch. We worked on spin. We worked on sit down, touch the target stick. You know, we just did some really basic stuff. And whenever that was going good, and then the dogs were focused on us and ignoring distractions, then we started doing some walking. So like there's a rhyme and reason for it. And that was part of it. That's part of what I wanted to cover tonight too. So thank you, uh, was how to do it. So it's not go in there and get shopping done, right? I'm in there for the dog. So if it's me and a dog and Rich, and Rich has to get groceries, Rich will go in, get the cart and get groceries done. I will go in there and focus on the dog. So first thing first is walking through the parking lot, going potty, walking up to the front door, watching people walk by, watching carts walk by, well, roll by, we'll go with roll by, possibly little kids, right? Possibly people with different gates, possibly people in wheelchairs, all the other cars, like there's a lot just in the parking lot. And then to go in through the door, it's an automatic door, right? So that can startle the dog. And then you go in there and then they go from the concrete to the weird flooring with the fluorescent lighting. And then the carts are there. There's the beep, beep, beep of the cashiers. There's all the smells. So you got to figure from like a puppy point of view, right? So what we'll do is we might go in and out a few times because this one has, I don't know, a few en entrances and a few exits, right? So we might go in and out a few times, but usually we'll go in and there's a bench right there. And like I said, we will sit on the bench. And that's my first thing is just sit on the bench and get focus on me. So if the dog looks at me, click food. What do I do? I make sure I have a hungry dog. I'm not going to feed the dog and then go. I'm going to go and all his food is going to be in my training pouch. Uh, I'm going to have a clicker or I'm going to use a verbal marker. And for us, it's break. But it's more brick, 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 right? It's not break, break, break. It's not yes. It's not okay. It's not good. Short, sweet, and brick. Um, those are my like, pay attention to me, but brick. So they look at me, mark reward. Look at me, mark reward. Look at me, I don't care if they're looking at my toes, looking at me, mark and reward, mark and reward, right? Pretty soon the dog will be sitting there gazing up at you adoringly, especially if we've done what we needed to do first, which is work on play, work on engagement, work on training, sit down, touch, stand, spin, twirl, anything, right? Like stupid pet tricks is super for the service dogs because a lot of that 
can be foundations for tasks or service dog skills. For example, we do spin and twist. Spin, twist is the other way. If we teach one direction, one way we want to teach the other also. So if we're going to do that, why would we need that? What if we have to get the dog to curl up? What if we have to get the dog to turn around and back up? You know, like it's nice to have a dog that will do that and it's fun for them and there's no pressure on it. If your dog doesn't like spin, maybe he'll like take a bow. Why would he need to take a bow? Well, what if you're doing something and you need him to take a bow? What if it's going to be to greet people who maybe you want him to say hi to at some point? Um, maybe it's to help stretch his back out. This is the real one. Um, so he can be all he can be and do the best he can, right? So there's all different reasons that you want to roll over all our girls. Now roll over and show me your hoo-ha so we can check to see who's in heat and who's not in heat. Uh, you know, so we have that. Uh, so we'll do those and the pressure's off, right? So we'll work them a little bit. And sometimes, and don't forget, we set our watch already. We got five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, but five minutes. And so we'll work on getting attention on me. And if the dog wants to, is easily distracted, then maybe we need to take the, um, the focus stuff at home. So what are some focus things? The box, box work is really good. Just sit there with him and click and toss food over to the left. And he, he goes over there, he gets the food. When he's done, he's come back and he looks at you. Click and toss food to the right. He goes over and he gets it and he comes back to you. Click and toss food behind him. He goes over, he gets it, he comes back to you, right? Anytime eyes are on you, it's just silent training. Click and food, click and food. But we want to make sure that we're giving the dog our attention, just like they're giving us their attention. So I don't do this usually while I'm on the phone. Well, I'm, I could do it while I'm on the phone, but I won't do it while I'm like playing on TikTok or Facebook or whatever, right? But you could listen to a podcast and do it, or you could put music on and do it, right? Because then it's funner and it's not like, oh my God, the dog's not looking at me. If the dog's not looking at you, go to a less busy environment, go to the bathroom, put a bowl of food and a clicker up by the toilet. Every time you go to the bathroom, you got training time with your dog. Don't play with your phone, play with your dog. Um but you've got that, right? And then if the dog's doing good with the focus and, and then you can add in the, the silly pet tricks, you can add in, you know, the touch, the sit, the down, right? That's all doing good and I'm sitting. If I want to get up, I can get up and walk. So maybe it's a lowered heel. Maybe it's a, oh, look, the dog happened to find my left side. So I'm going to click and reward or mark and reward in room service and keep going. Uh, you know, but it's, it's baby steps at first. So if, and if jumping up on people, then he doesn't get to greet people. Um, they don't get to greet people if they're jumping. They only get to greet people if they're ignoring people. <laughs> so I don't do greetings until I have my dog's full focus and we've done some walking stuff. And it might be like I said, come find heel, click, drop some food, take a step and wait him out. When he's done, come and find heel again because remember, looking at me pays. Click, drop food behind him a little bit, take a step to the side. When, he when he's done eating, and he finds that heel again, click, drop food. And then as he's doing it and doing it well, I'm going to start naming it. And after he's done, when he's walking into heel, I might say heel or while he's in heel and before I click, I'm going to say heel, click, food. With that pause, don't do heel, click, food all at the same time. And a lot of people will do that. Don't do it. You want that pause between them. Uh, but yeah, if he's focused on me fully and somebody comes up and they're like, oh my God, I'm going to be dog. I'm going to be like, 
Hold on. Hey, dog. Do you want to say hi? If the dog goes over to say hi, that's fine. If the dog does not know, and I'll tell you what happened up at Brownwood, is this a whole bunch of people are coming up to us right when we get there and we're trying to get the dogs focused on us and we're working on this. And it was a bit of a struggle, Andrew. Like, I get it. Um, and it can be hard because they are puppies. They're five-month-old crotch goblins sometimes, you know? Um, not my crotch, but you guys is all free of you. Um, and people are coming up and wanting to pet them. And we said, no, they're in training. No, they're in training. No, they're in training. And this woman comes up with her hand as a fist, you know, and like starts sticking it in the dog that I had, starts sticking it in his face. And I says, no, he's working. And she says, well, I was just saying hello. I said, and he's working and you shouldn't be sticking your hand in a stranger dog's face. Like, you don't know who I am. You know who my dog is. And she said, well, I asked first. No, no, you were asking why your fist was was moving. You didn't ask, wait for me to respond and do it. And I said, you still shouldn't put your hand in a stranger dog's face. And she's making, she's like, it's all huffy. She starts walking off and she's making all these excuses over her shoulder at me on why it's okay. And I'm sitting there with Rachel, who's our newest trainer, and with one of the Snow White owners who's out there to work with her dog. And I said, and this is what you have to put up with sometimes is you're going to get entitled people who think that because you happen to bring a dog out in public, that dog is there for their enjoyment and entertainment. It's not. Now we were able to, after we got the dog's attention, dogs were doing good. We did some training. Of course, we did some pictures because we always do some pictures. Um, then we had a woman who had come up and just was very nice and just said, you know, I just wanted to say your dogs are just absolutely beautiful. Uh, you know, are they, are they related? And we said, yeah, they're litter mates. And she, uh, she's like, that's just great. And I said, hey, could, would you like to help us train them? I said, well, what, what do you need? I said, all I need you to do is pet them if they come up to you. And she goes, oh, I could do that. So she, you know, we said to the dog, you know, hey, dog, do you want to go say hi? And the dog, one of them went over and then the other one saw them. The third one was like, wait a minute, we're getting pets and went over. So depending on what's going on, you could say like, hey, if the dog jumps up, stop giving them attention. Now, I usually don't ask strangers to do this because that's a lot. Um, I will take care of it though. And we've actually had, oh my gosh, we were at Winn-Dixie because we do like, so we do a lot down here at Winn-Dixie. We're at Winn-Dixie and a woman comes over to see if, if the dogs could say hi. Well, the dog didn't want to say hi. So if the dog doesn't move forward, the dog doesn't say hi. She doesn't say hi. Um, there's none of this. Well, it's like, okay, I'm just going to reach over and say hi to the dog. No, if the dog doesn't come to you, there's no greeting. And so she's, she's saying, and I've heard it before too, sit, 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 sit. And she goes, the dog won't sit. And we kind of look at her and I said, why should the dog sit for you? You're a random stranger. Like the dog doesn't want to do, you know, like greet you anyway. Or if the dog's standing there, that's fine. They don't have to sit at this point. But the dog's not going to listen to a rando who comes up off the street and tells them to do something. Like, that's not what we train our dogs for. You could say it's whoever's holding the leash, you know, while they're on a leash. And if not, it's that person they have a relationship with. Because, guys, the most important thing before you start doing public access with your service dog or anything with your service dog is to have a relationship with your service dog. And that is so big, so key, so huge. Do you know how many times I have people tell me, well, like, I'll call them medical equipment, and they'll be like, oh, the dog's not doing it. And I'm like, play with your dog. 
with your dog for two or three weeks. So now that's our homework whenever people bring their puppies home from us is just don't worry about everything else. Just worry, focus on play for the next two to three weeks. Just play with your dog, have fun with your dog. Don't worry about training. Don't worry about public access stuff. Just play with your dog. And that's not, you know, there's a ball. You know, there's a ball, whatever, right? That's engage, awesome play. And it makes it a lot easier. Um, we'll have to try to sit a bit longer before getting up and going. He does great at home, but as soon as we're out, he's overwhelmed and excited. Andrew, and that happens if you want to, you know, I mean, first, you're always welcome to come out here. Uh, second, shoot me some video and send it. I might be able to tweak it um, or schedule up. We can do a training session via Skype Zoom. Oh my gosh, you know, Richard loves those. He misses teaching sometimes. He misses doing, I don't know, six to eight group classes a week. So, you know, he loves doing whenever we have privates. He's like, oh, I get to do this one. Yay. Um, the playing and bonding really helped with how he pays attention to us. That's awesome. Uh, so if he's good at home, how's he in your front yard? How's he in your side yard? How's he in your backyard? How's he on the sidewalk in front of your house? How's he down the road by your house? You know, so by taking the picture and looking at the whole picture, we can break that up into bite-sized pieces. And it's the same thing. How do you how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you train a koji? One step at a time. Um, good. Yeah, yeah. Message me tonight. I know you've been busy and I know. Um, I know with your wrists and stuff, I haven't been bothering you too much because, um, you know, recuperating and, and everything going on, but it doesn't mean I forgot about you, girl. Suggestions for teenage dogs, Alexa asked. Her, her standard poodle is 12 months old. Um, yeah, that's how old Albert is. Um, and Flounder and Ariel and Sebastian are all 11 months old. They'll go through testing times. All dogs are going to test. I tell people all the time, I can give you Gypsy and she's going to test you. You know, they want to see what they get away with. Uh, sometimes it's making it a little bit easier for a while. Sometimes it's it's pushing them a little bit more. So if you want to be a master coach for your dog, right, you need to know when to push and when to make it easier. But your end goal when training your dog should always be to need it to be there as little as possible. So if you need to be there to make sure your dog makes good decisions, your dog's not making good decisions. Instead, what we want is the dog to choose to make those good decisions. And for example, as you get so many examples tonight, and I know we're running low, so type up your questions now if you're on chat. Um, one style of training will tell you, uh, correct the dog if, you th if they're thinking about doing it. Correct the thought. Now, depending on what that thought is and how much you really want to get rid of it, you might want to do that. But you also have to give the dog the opportunity to not make that mistake, to not do that behavior and reward him when he doesn't. So if you have a dog who's counter surfing, instead of correcting him every time he's up on the counter, right? Wait a second, you know, and then correcting him preemptively, right? preemptively, like, I think he's about to think about it, teach him what it is you want him to do, and then give him the opportunity to do that and to get the reward. But guys, it's not one or the other. It's not you reward the dog or you correct the dog. You could do both, but you have to give that pause too. So, okay, if you have a dog who's jumping on the counter and you're correcting on the counter, and you're correcting. 
you're like, holy cow. Off the counter, food. Off the counter, food. Then you give him some time and see. Maybe don't have stuff up on your counter. And then maybe you have something stupid and boring that he doesn't like, like celery up on your counter. Because, like, nobody likes celery. And broccoli. Do celery and broccoli. And cauliflower. Because those are, like... And see what he does. And and he might, you know, R2 is the cutest. You can see him thinking about it. And he'll kind of like hop on his front legs because he's so excited. And he's like, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. But give him that opportunity. And then there are other things too, guys, that I don't correct when they're puppies too much. For example, if we're going to be doing a retrieve, which we do a retrieve with every service dog now, um, because <laughs> golden retrievers, but... They need it, right? It's nice. And that even that oops pickup is amazing. So if they put something in their mouth while they're young, I don't correct them. What do I do? I click and I food. And I have food on me all the time. And I have a clicker on me all the time. So if I see them, and if not, I have my mouth and I can walk over and grab food, right? So if I see that they picked up a leaf outside, good puppy, can I have? Thank you. Here's some food. They pick up. I don't know, a, a dirty Kleenex that fell on the ground, right? Oh, but he got a good boy. Can I have that here? Let me trade you. Click food. So I want to do that so they get that idea that, oh, look, it, she gives me cool stuff. And then if I want him to pick up something, it's not working against what you've already laid as a foundation skill. So a lot of times what happens, a dog picks something up in his mouth you say no 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 you chase him down you pry it from his mouth and you chuck it and you tell him he's a bad dog and you fuck him in the nose don't do any of that any of it um here koji loves paper towels and leaves right so what happens koji gets a paper towel good boy what you got can i have it can i see that what'd you get click food if he drops it and he comes to you great still give him food then you can say go get that silly boy i can't believe you dropped it can you get that from me uh it works really good my parents when they had i don't know i think it was molly but it might have been princess it was one of the dogs um she has an umbrella plant that it's part of the family she got it in the late 80s when we were living in connecticut so like she's had this plant for what 30 some odd years it's it's part of the family it's she's had that plant longer than a lot of marriages have been together uh so she has this plant this umbrella plant and it would shed its leaves it would drop its leaves and the dogs would come and, and eat them, whatever dog it was, Princess or Molly. And I told her how to do that. I said, just get your clicker. And she had little treats there, little cat food, right? Dry cat food. So I said, if she picks it up, I don't care if she drops it, I don't care if she brings it to you, click and feed every time. Well, then the dog would pick up every leaf, bring it to mom. So now mom's not having to pick up the leaf. And the dog brings it right to her because she knows that mom has the food. And then the dog starts bringing in leaves from outside to inside because mom pays her for that. That's the worst the dog does. How awesome is that? Like the dog now picks up leaves and brings them to them. And so when we're doing play, oftentimes we'll add in that, oops. And instead of like me having the ball or whatever else, like, oops, I dropped it onto the floor. Thank you, big guy. I appreciate that. The other one, so mouthing, I'm, I'm okay with. To a degree, for a time. Um, the other one is jumping up because I want the dog to get into DPT, deep pressure therapy. I want the dog to, if he does pick up something, to put his little paws up on my chair or up on my lap to hand it to me to make it easier. So I don't correct and eliminate that because it would make 
whenever it's time to do any of those things, when it's time to teach a retreat, whenever it's time to give me something, uh, whenever it's time to do DPT, it would make it nigh on impossible because I was like, no, I was told you never do that. And I don't want that, right? Um, but I don't want the dog to jump up on the person because the person has, well, that's when well, we get to that when they're a little bit older, right? So, uh, so it's all workable, right? Everything's tweakable. Uh, one of the tasks we have learned is get the bag, um, which has meds. Yeah, she brings it all the time without me asking, ah, should I still treat? So Alexa, it, she's a year old. She knows it. If, if she brings it to you without you asking, you can be like, well, thank you. What a good girl. But I didn't ask for it. And then kind of set a timer so you don't forget. Maybe two minutes later, maybe five minutes later, you know, it's, it's, you've already put it back and you could be like, can you get it for me? And so if you only pay when you ask, pretty soon she'll figure that out. You know, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't correct, correct. I would just be like, well, thank you, but I'm not giving you a treat. And then if that gets to be too much, you'd be like, thank you. But, you know, like you still want it to be nice for her to do because it is a nice thing to do is to bring it to you. Um. But yeah, so starting public access, I've had, it seems like everybody lately asking how big their dogs are going to be when they go home. We have a litter six week old and a litter five week old. And, uh, and I'm like, I don't know how big they're going to be. I hate measuring dogs for jackets, for sizes, for collars, for, for feet, because it could change so much in just a short amount of time. And I get it. Gear's fun to buy, fun to look at, fun to plan and figure out. But don't worry about gear yet. Don't, you know, you can even, if you want to do something, do a bandana that says service dog in training because it's cooler and they can have it on. The gear, the best stuff is for the public to know. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but it's for them to know. It's not, you know, some dogs do get where they're uh, a gear smart. And they're like, wow. She has on, I'm on my whatever gear, therefore I'm needed for this job. And you know, it can work, it can work out really good, uh, but you don't want a dog who is gear smart because what happens if you change up gear? What happens if you go from a bandana to a vest, to a harness, to a harness with a band, whatever, right? You don't want the dog to be like, no, I don't listen to you whenever I'm wearing this because that's not what I'm used to. Uh, so I do a lot of environmental obedience, maybe. I don't know if that's what the term would be. I'll come up with a good term for it. But like in this situation, this is what I need you to do. So I might not tell you sit whenever I stop, but because I stopped in this way. And usually how it is is walk, 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 stomp, stomp your feet. And I want the dog to sit if I'm walking. But anymore, I'm telling you, when I go to the store, I'm not walking. It's just, it's too much. It's just easier for me to be in the chair because if not, I really pay for it. Okay, that looks like all the questions um, that we have. So when to start is when it works for you. Like I said, four months, six months. I think those are great times to start. I don't like to do it too much before then just because your time would be better spent building that relationship, doing play with the dog and doing some easy, fun training um, versus public access. But you also don't want to put it off forever. Albert, I think was six months, R2, same thing, just about six months old before their first public access outings. And, you know, they're doing really nice, but we've spent a lot of time working with them. Uh, our next webinar, 
Today's 811. It's going to be 822. It's on Boxwork. We had requests for that. And then if you guys have any requests for uh, what you want us to do for the future for webinars, let me know. We're aiming on two a month because we also have the board meeting. And then I do puppy stuff um, for the people who are um, in our puppy programs. And I think I'm done because I'm really tired right now. And that sugar rush I got from the uh, sweet tea on the way home, I think just wore off. So uh, I will talk to you guys later on. Yay for Boxwork. Thank you, Andrea. And I will talk to y'all. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and think about that. How are you going to improve the relationship you have with your dog? And what are you going to do better for the next one? Right? Like plan it out, jot it down, block it out. Okay. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.